to welcome you to another episode of Money Matters Top Tips for Success, where I bring on business owners, entrepreneurs, and executives and have them share their top tips for success with you. My name is Adam Torres. You can follow me on Instagram at AskAdamTorres to keep up with my book releases, book tour schedule, signings, all that other good stuff. And as always, if you'd like to apply to become a co-author of one of my upcoming books, just head on over to the website, MoneyMattersTopTips.com, and click on Become an Author to Apply. All right, so today I have Kwaku Ose on the line. He is the CEO over at Cooperative Capital. Uh, Kwaku, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Adam. How you going? How, how you doing? Oh man, all is well. Um, so I want to get I want to get more into what you're doing over at uh, Cooperative Capital and how you're helping your clients exactly. But before we do that, let's just get into your background a little bit. Uh, so how did you get started as an entrepreneur and in business? Yeah, uh, great question. So uh, I actually started my first business at 14 uh, with a good friend of mine, and we uh, basically were uh, promoting marketing local cafes, restaurants, et cetera, and <laughs> no one took us seriously, you know, basically freshman year of high school, and so we actually offered to do our work for free. And uh, once we could show a noticeable uptick, we started charging for them, and we were pretty dang good at it. So um, we we actually started uh, making a good about a, a bit of money from that. And then I took uh, that money and decided to, you know, become uh, uh, more ambitious and opened a recording studio when I was like 15 and a half. And in any event, from then, and that, that by the way, <laughs> the studio didn't work out. We built it. Um, I had it open and operated it for about a year, but it ultimately shut down because I didn't have a true business model. So I lost all my money, but I realized that it wasn't in the world. And, of course, you know, at the benefit of being able to go back home and, Living under my parents' roof, but uh, I caught the bug then. I just knew that, uh, you know, there's something about trying to, you know, you come up with something, conceptualize an idea, and try to make it a reality to the best of your ability. That's just that's been in my blood since. So I started uh, six businesses since, and then um, post college, uh, I joined Deloitte Consulting, where I primarily consulted uh, federal agencies. Uh, left that after a couple years and ended up moving to Detroit. Uh, to work with uh, a gentleman named Dan Gilbert, who's the guy that started with signing on his quick loans. Uh, he owns the Cleveland Cavaliers, and he really took me under, exposed me to a ton. And after working with him uh, really closely for about a year, we co-founded a company together, uh, which was a tech startup, and that was just like a hell of a dream come true. And in any event, um, yeah, this entrepreneurship thing has been a part of me. It's just, you know, uh, uh, again, the ability to, to, to go from uh, concept to reality and, and always testing yourself. And even even if you've done entrepreneurship before, I think you would know, um, it's never the same. So there's, you know, there's, you know, there's, there are certain steps that you could take, but, you know, there's no true playbook uh, because things are constantly changing in our world and, and consumers' uh, desires and, and tastes are constantly changing. You kind of have to adapt and it's a, uh, it's a battle, it's a battle of the fittest. So yeah, that's that's how I kind of got into it all. Oh man, I love it, and uh, that's a great story, really. Uh, starting from uh, from marketing to recording studio, making it all the way to Dan Gilbert. Oh, huge Dan Gilbert fan. I was one of my first bosses out of college, and actually, I wrote a chapter on him and some of the leadership lessons I I learned um, working um, for him and under him. Um, when I was over at Quicken Loans, and that's in the, oh, right the, the most recent edition of my um, business leader edition of Money Matters that I came out 
but so I'm a huge fan of Dan Gilbert and what he's doing also in Detroit in the city. So always always love to do that. I didn't know that I caught that part of your background when I invited you on the show, but now that even affirmed it even more. So great stuff. Yeah. So let, let's right on. Here. Just a quick question, not to not to take us off, uh, you know, but um, when were you there? From what year to what year? Oh, geez, this would be before. This would be when they started. Um, they weren't even in downtown yet, so this was years ago, like 2006-ish. Yeah, no, this was a long time ago. I was at Livonia, yeah, Livonia building. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So let's see. So um, you're, let's say you're giving, you've been through a lot of experiences. You've obviously worked your way up the ranks, and now you have the benefit of hindsight. So if you could, you know, give some advice to that, um, that group of entrepreneurs that are just getting started out there. Maybe they have their first business or maybe they're, you know, they're already through with one or two businesses that didn't work out so well. Um, what kind of advice would you give them? Yep. Um, the biggest advice I would give is seek out the truth and always follow it. Um, I think that there are sometimes uh, uh, in route of, so you come up with a great idea and, um, you know, obviously entrepreneurship is this game in which, um, if the idea wasn't great enough to you, you wouldn't necessarily take the step to take the leap and try to thing because there's a lot of, uh, what's the way to best put it? There are a lot of consequences of quote unquote being wrong. Um, but you have to have that willingness to fail. Um, if you're even going to have a chance of succeeding. Um, but that being said, there are certain times where, you know, along the way you might be met with, uh, either certain types of resistance and or, certain indicators to, that, that might uh, indicate that the reality that you thought was real is not. And as soon as you get that, I think, you know, uh, you think about the typical entrepreneur, a matter of fact, you know, you, again, you come up with an idea, you put together a plan, and you start to execute. And oftentimes um, when you start to execute, you, you're, faced with, uh, you're faced with reality. And oftentimes it's those uh, entrepreneurs that are most uh, reactive and then adapt um, and then are proactive in kind of um, addressing their end user or consumer's desires, wants, and needs that end up uh, kind of succeeding. So, you know, they, they typically, they'll quote-unquote pivot. And that that is a realization that, you know, hey, my initial direction was not spot on, but along the way in talking to a bunch of people, I figured out what's more aligned with what people truly want, quote-unquote pivot towards that. And, you know, many of those entrepreneurs that end up doing that typically will succeed. So I think um, sometimes we could kind of fool ourselves into believing that there is more something uh, there than is there. And, and it's not necessarily doesn't actually mean that you're wrong, uh, because sometimes, there, you know, there are a number of entrepreneurs that sometimes are just a bit ahead of the curve. And so um, you could have an inkling for something that truly could work. It just may not be the right time. So just. I would just say always follow the truth, um, and um, that relates to thinking of, you know, uh, uh, our overarching society, but it also means to, you know, to yourself interpersonally, right? Like there are often times where we will lie to ourselves. We might find ourselves in a certain career or a certain job position that we really don't like, but it might pay a good amount or may offer other benefits, but we truly don't like it. And we could kind of fool ourselves into believing that, you know, these are good places to be because of the benefits they may confer on us. And I would just say, always be honest with yourself and always follow the truth. Um, yeah. No, great stuff. Um, let's switch it up a bit. Let's talk more about what you're doing as CEO over at uh, Cooperative Capital. So what kind of clients are you helping and what are you helping them with? 
Yeah, uh, so ultimately Cooperative Capital is the organization we created to create community-based funds. Uh, so we enable residents to pool their money together in one big pot and as one collective unit invest those monies in several opportunities throughout their own community. And it's really about creating a situation where residents can come together uh, to collectively invest and build up their community in a way that everyone benefits. Uh, at the moment, there are 23 communities that are uh, extremely interested in having a cooperative capital fund. That really uh, spans the government uh, across this nation and includes uh, Detroit, Oakland, uh, Chicago, Cincinnati, Cleveland, Baltimore, Richmond, Virginia, Hartford, Connecticut, et cetera, et cetera. And the two things that I feel make our model special is within what we're, uh, cooperative capital, we as a fund manager don't actually make the decisions of where the money is going to go. We're more so uh, just an entity, and we, we help with every step of this way, but we're the entity that basically aggregates residents, enables them to pull their money, and then within our framework, they will collectively identify, uh, vote on, and then ultimately invest in those things. And, again, we help every step of that way. But that that model within our framework, we're basically saying, who better to say we should be in a community than the community? Uh, but second, if you have a large base of people all collectively investing in their backyard, you can leverage our large base people to actually activate growth of the investments, you know, they collectively make, almost like a, a versus group on model, if you would. So yeah, that that is what we're doing. It's really just a, about um, enabling us. There are increasing amount of people that want to, um, you know, invest locally within their community. And at the moment, it's just peculiarly, uh, you know, uh, it's just very difficult to do so. And so we are, you know, we see cooperative capital as a vehicle to make it, uh, you know, uh, uh, rather easy and convenient uh, to be able to do that. What are some of the um, the benefits of, of communities coming together to invest in the manner that you're proposing? Yeah, great, great question. Um, ultimately, if you look at increasingly uh, any community across the U.S., uh, you will see that, well, you will see that there are, Communities that kind of come about because you have out-of-state, out-of-town investors that have kind of decided to place certain types of shops um, in a respective community. So a lot of these communities aren't getting the the, the true amenities or services or, you know, um, companies that they want to see around them, and it's, you know, no fault of their own. Um, the other thing is, you know, there is very, very strong uh, 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 research that suggests that money invested locally um, and then uh, uh, let me take a step back. There are a number of businesses, uh, locally owned businesses, that basically, you know, banks are no longer providing the type of financing they once did. So there are a number of locally owned businesses, community-based enterprises, that really need a bit more money to kind of get to the next level. Um, but because they aren't, you know, uh, you know a startup um, that uh, offers aggressive growth, and um, because they aren't in a position to take advantage of financing that used to be more readily available, they're, you know, either kind of uh, staying where they are or sometimes they even have to shut down. Uh, and many of these are in a position where if they had access to a bit more money, they would be able to actually grow. And there's a lot of uh, research to suggest that, you know, locally owned businesses typically spend their dollars uh, locally. And there's kind of this, you know, uh, quote, unquote, uh, local cycle of a dollar, the more times a dollar is recycled in a respective community, it typically leads to more job growth, more economic resiliency in a respective community. And so the thing that we really see is not only would this uh, kind of create uh, an outlet for residents to be further invested in their community, 
um, but it would uh, offer uh, – so not only from a cohesive and social standpoint, like let's say you and I um, co-invested together, that's going to bring you and I together. So now let's imagine you and I times a couple hundred and have us all collectively invest in our backyard. But then we're also supporting businesses that we want to see in our community that are then further supporting that community. So where this has happened um, in the U.S. and abroad, and in the U.S. there aren't too many examples um, because really the ability to do this has just surfaced more recently. Um, but wherever this has happened, you will see that there are more cohesive, more resilient communities that are much more stronger. The people are, are quite frankly, uh, more economically secure, uh, which, I, mm. which I think, you know, something that, you know, a lot of people, especially now, um, given the on, um, you know, oncoming technologies, whether we're talking about AI, robotics, et cetera, um, automation, and I think that there is uh, a lot of fear of, uh, about the future and what what does it look like uh, from an economic standpoint. A lot of people are, quite frankly, in financially precarious situations, and with an uncertain future, we see cooperative capital as a vehicle to – it's not a silver bullet, but it does uh, enable people to come together to do something that they wouldn't be able to do on their own and um, benefit not only their community but benefit themselves individually as well. Mm, that's a great. That's great. Um, I, I get it too. So the idea is that if if you're investing among your neighbors and your community and you know to the to the areas and things that you're going to ultimately benefit from um, by directly using, um, you know that could build a stronger uh, community overall. So I mean, great idea. Uh, if uh, if somebody wants more information about cooperative capital, uh, what's the best way for them to reach out, Paco? Yeah, so uh, you can find us at cooperativecap.com. Um, that's cooperativecap.com. And if they want to reach out to me, uh, my email address uh, is ko, um, K as in king, O as in original, <laughs> at cooperativecap.com. All right. Well, hey, Kwaku, I really appreciate you coming on the show today and sharing more about uh, your background and also what you're doing over at Cooperative Capital. So great stuff there. And to the listeners, as always, thank you for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, leave me a review, uh, do all those great things we do to support our podcasters. I really appreciate it. And uh, Kwaku, thanks again for coming on.